Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to part two of our James Bond B-Sides series for the B-Side podcast from the Film Stage website. Here, as you know, we talk about movie stars who, in this case, played James Bond, but not the James Bond movies they made or the other hit movies that some of them made. Some of them didn't make any other hit movies. That's true. But the ones that they made in between... Or in the cases of some of them, though, just the other movies they made that nobody saw. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about Timothy Dalton for the purposes of this episode. Um, we all remember the beautician and the beast. Um, anyway, my name is Mecca, Dan Mecca. See what I did there, yeah, guys? I, I got it. Do you I see what I, caught on. I did there? Oh, um, we have our lovely guest, Gavin Mevius, joining us yet again to finish this up. And as always, we have Connor O'Donnell with us. Guys, we've all seen No Time to Die. As you're listening, listeners, No Time to Die, the 25th official entry in the Bond canon is out and available to be watched in theaters everywhere. What did we, uh, Gavin, we'll start with you, our lovely guest. What did what did we think well, of No Time on. to Die? I think, well, go ahead. I think let's, let's do oh, the wait. thing first. Thank you. Sorry. We'll we'll tell you the B sides first, yeah. and then let's talk No Time to Die quickly, and then we'll talk about the movies because, yeah. So okay, the B sides we're doing. So the bonds we have today are, um. So last, if you part one was obviously Sean Connery, George Lazenby, and of course Roger Moore, and today we're going to talk about the next three, which obviously is Timothy Dalton, who's in The Living Daylights and License to Kill, and then Pierce Brosnan. Who is in Gold Knights, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, and Die Another Day. And then Daniel Craig, who obviously is finishing up now with No Time to Die, um, which is his fifth outing as Bond. The B-sides we are going to talk about are Brenda Starr, which Timothy Dalton is a part of, which came out kind of haphazardly in the late 80s and early 90s. We will get into it. Um, and then we are going to talk about Pierce Brosnan playing Robinson Crusoe in the movie of the same name. Uh, from 1997, which also kind of barely came out in the U.S. It kind of, I don't, I don't even think it hit theaters in the U.S. I think it got nope. kind of dumped to DVD, uh, which was probably the right call. And then um, finally, we're going to talk about Flashbacks of a Fool, starring Daniel Craig, kind of starring Daniel Craig, supporting role um, <laughs> from 2008. But boy, did they train on that cachet. Yes. Wow. Daniel Craig. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. I mean, he is in like 40 minutes of it. But anyway, yeah, so, yeah, yeah uh, you know, but he is um, the titular fool. It, sure, <laughs> it is his flashbacks we are experiencing. That's true. <laughs> the title is very much uh, alluding or not alluding, referencing him. Um, all right. So those are the three. Brenda Starr, Robinson Crusoe, flashbacks of a fool. You guys have heard of them. You've probably seen them. They're huge movies. We can't wait to talk about them. Uh, I'm being facetious. So before we do that, quick thoughts, No Time to Die. Gavin, what did you think? Uh, hot seat for me. Um, I thought it was okay. I, th I liked it. Um, it's maybe the second best entry in the whole Daniel Craig era, um, which tells you how I feel about the Daniel Craig era. Sure. It's, sure. Not, it's not him. I think he's fantastic. I wish we'd gotten on whole better films for him because i do think he does a lot of heavy lifting um more so than i think he probably thought going in but uh yeah it, it was i i liked it i 
didn't love the villain, nor do I fully understand the villain's plot. Um, <laughs> or the villain's, like, nomulous age. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Oh, that's uh, funny. I had that exact same thought. Yeah. When you yeah. get to a certain part, you're like, wait, how old is he? Yeah, yeah you're like, this is a 65-year-old man? Is that <laughs> right, what we're right. trying to say? Um uh but uh yeah but uh you know i i loved craig i thought leah say had so much more to do in this movie you know i thought the opening uh, the opening bit did more heavy lifting for their relationship than the entirety of specter right um i thought it was gorgeous looking obviously fukunaga is really a great gorgeous director. looking yeah I, just yeah yeah like the i mean beautiful uh, connor and i were having this conversation yesterday like this, you know, the stuff in Cuba, the, the stuff in Jamaica, like, it, you know, the, these are travelogue movies. They make you want to go to these places. And this did a really good job at doing that. Being oh, like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, I'd love to see that. You know, I'd love and to experience I, that. But and I, I love Deacons, obviously, you know, yeah. Living Legend. But yeah. I would I would say Linus Sangren and Fukunaga are uh, what they achieve in No Time to, to Die surpasses whatever was achieved by Deacons in. I, I mean, Skyfall. I, I definitely Spectre, think right? he shot Spectre too. I think right. No, he didn't. He didn't. Oh, he shoot didn't. Spectre. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. I do think that he sort of laid the template sure. for how That's a well modern said. Bond should yeah. look. That's well so said, then yeah. it it is their job to to try and surpass that, and which is not to say anything negative about Hoy Tema's uh cinematography. On oh, you're Spectre. right. That's Spe- Hoy Van Hanama. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Uh, but uh, whew. Spectre, I don't remember a thing about it other than that opening sequence. Um, and my favorite thing, which is the the torture scene where he's going to lose his memories of Leia Seydoux and she's like, I love you. And they literally just met. And I really wish James Bond had responded with, I like you a lot, too. <laughs> um, but uh, I like you a lot, too. M- <laughs> Maddie? Maybe. <laughs> Maddie? <laughs> um has the machine already been turned on? No, no. That's Blofeld's just like, uh, no, sorry. I expect you to forget, James. Um, but, Look at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, I think you should. I think you should move beyond me. But I, I thought it was yeah, okay. No, I no, thought, no, yeah, no, no, no. That's that's well said. Um, it's it's long in the tooth. I don't understand why it's two hundred. I mean, two hours and forty five minutes. I. I, yeah, you get to the end of it, and you're just like, my bladder hates you. <laughs> yeah, but no, and I think that that all, that's all very fair. Uh, Connor, what about you? Uh, you I reviewed think... it. You and we should say you your your review of it is on the spoiler free review is on the film stage website, and it's a as good well. review. Oh, oh thank, I would oh, definitely thanks, say yes. check it out. Um, yeah, I it. Uh, so this is yesterday when I saw it with you, Gavin. That was my second time watching it. I liked it more. On a second time, I think just because obviously because you're going in and there are no surprises. So you're just kind of absorbing everything, um, which I I enjoyed. So I did like it actually more on the second viewing. I gave it a B minus. I would probably kick that up like a portion of a letter grade. I would say it's a solid B like. But but I also think in the grand scheme of the James Bond franchise, that's like very good. It's like, you know, it's uh so I I think it's I agree with you, Gavin. I think it's definitely Craig's second best after Casino Royale. Yeah, and, same. And uh, I, I think also because I, you know, I'm someone who I loved Skyfall like a lot of people did when I saw it when it came out. And I think just over the years, it's like 
significantly diminished almost maybe more than any other Craig Bond movie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I basically really liked it. So I think, I mean, everything about, I think specifically what it means to have somebody who knows where to put the camera in these movies for like action sequences and things like that, like a director who can really direct action. Um, I think is crucial because I think, you know, you look at what some of Mendy's did and I think across those two movies, it just seems a little perfunctory. Like he's just like doing the stuff to do it. And he has no actual interest in like the James Bond nature of a James Bond movie. Um, so it was kind of nice. I think even though Fukunaga is definitely a little bit more also more interested in like the emotional character beats and that melodrama, I think it's nice to at least see someone who is also interested in like the yeah. the genre that is a James Bond movie. Do do you think, and this is maybe a too wide of a question to even answer now, but do you think Mendes was able to get away with that because he was coming off of the back of Mark Forrester's Quantum Solace with cinematography by Roberto Schaefer? And that movie is the fight scenes are literally just like, look over there. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, right. like people are punching each other. Look over there, like yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it's like, oh, what, what am I watching? And it's a very like Batman Begins, like I don't know what's happening during these action. It, it almost seems to. I I feel like all that matters to both. I think both Forster and Mendes is that it is happening, but yeah. not what is ha- you know like it's not. They don't really entirely. I think and Gavin, you and I talked about this, but I think like. I think the opening of Quantum of Solace is really good. I rewatched that like that yeah. string of sequences, I think, are a handful of really good action sequences and a super very well put together. Yeah, well constructed. Super. There's that. I feel like it's the one that always gets pulled as a shot from the movie whenever it's included in a montage. But there's that one great shot where they fall out the window and then through yeah. the glass and onto the scaffolding. And, the, you know, so there's like some cool little stuff going on there. But I think. Everyone in No Time to Die, I think, is just super keyed into like what makes these movies awesome. And uh, I think specifically Craig, like I think he's the mo- he's the best as James Bond out of all five movies, I think, because he just seems to kind of he likes doing the quips, but he also obviously nails the emotional beats. And he just seems to like and, and part of that might just be because it's his last one and, you know, whatever. Right. But uh, but yeah, I. uh I had a lot of fun with it both times. Yeah, I am certainly the highest on this of the three of us. I really, really like this movie uh, quite a bit. Um, I agree with you both. Second best Bond of the five Craigs, Casino Royale being number one. Um, I guess that's. I guess we're a little in the minority because people still do love Skyfall. Skyfall is one of those movies, the further away I get from it, the more... The posturing is a little bit harder for me to swallow. Um, I guess time will tell if No Time to Die has some of that as well. Um, but for me, the thing with No Time to Die is it does have all these emotional beats, which a lot of them are feel like firsts for for the series um, in some ways. And then, you know, but obviously they are meant to connect uh, to Skyfall Inspector, specifically in the, all five of of the Craig Bonds as a whole. Um, but all the bond tropes, I think are so well done. As you guys have said, it, it, 
I enjoyed having both. I, I kind of thought of it as having my cake and eating it too a little bit. I liked the emotional stuff and, you know, and maybe that's why it's so long, right? Which I think I didn't mind the length maybe as much as you guys did, but it is like almost two movies. It's almost like Fukunaga was like, I'd like to do both. I would like to like have him go to Cuba and have this amazing 15 minute sequence with kind of a perfectly rendered Bond girl, but also have this like whole other relationship that's like way more fully fleshed out with Madeline Swan, you know, who Elisa do plays. And it's like, you know, good for them to try it out. And I know some people felt kind of differently about the choices that were made. And, and I'm sure a lot of viewers will be, will have reactions and thoughts about it. And, I, <laughs> and, I, and I'm excited. Well, maybe not excited is not the right word. I'm curious <laughs> to see what those reactions are. Um, you know, as we were recording during the opening weekend and the movie's done well enough and that's nice, obviously, and we'll see how it holds. But, you know, in a pandemic, I think it, it's a nice, also, it's a nice, I feel good for theaters. I think it's a nice kind of a, it's a nice moment for exhibition where it's like, okay, people still want to go for these things and whatnot. So anyway, very positive all around. I had a great time at the movies, um, but I'm also very happy the Craig era is over. It felt very much like it should be over. You know, Gavin, you were mentioning, I don't know if this is a tweet or we talked about it in the last episode, like the Bourne element being a part of these Craig movies yeah. and that you don't want the next ones to be Marvel-y, but I would argue you got some of the marvel Well, yes. Here, and I, and I, too. I, I, would, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that this and for better or for worse does a better job with it than like Spectre did which sort of also is attempting to, to you, grab in on that. Do you think Ava Green just gets paid? I hope so. For just oh, being God. the soul of five yeah. movies. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just isn't that the craziest thing that she, like? I mean, she's amazing in that movie, but it's crazy that she I just hope, like. I hope she struck the like 1989 Batman Jack Nicholson deal that like he still <laughs> makes some money off of any time yeah. anybody brings up the Joker. I, I, you know, like, I hope that the, she, she got that. Like anytime anybody even like whispers Vesper or orders a drink <laughs> at and a it's bar like, and, anywhere and in the and world. Look, and look, their performances as Bond girls, whatever aside, I mean, the, the, the cast is so impressive. Olga Kurilenko, Gemma Arterton, uh, uh, who's in Skyfall? I don't even remember now. It's kind of it's Naomi Harris, basically. Naomi Harris like, yeah. for a minute, who's money becomes Money Penny, yeah. and then, and then, um, um, the Berenice Beju for a minute, who's very good, right? Uh, is that, I believe that's her name. Or am I confusing no, two people? Bernice I've Bijou is from The Artist. But it, her name is, I believe it's but Bernice Ber something else. Bernice um, Marlowe? Thank you. Thank you. Yes. yes. Which I'm now that you say it, though, names, it's so. kind of wild that Bernice Bijou has not <laughs> has been a long yeah. girl. <laughs> There's still time. Um, There's still time. And also, and, and I mean, how can anybody forget, even though she's literally blink or you'll miss it, Monica Bellucci. That oh, yeah, everybody who is great you. in like the one scene that yeah, she has in Spectre. Everybody made such a huge deal out of being Inspector because she's like a contemporary in terms of age of Daniel Craig. But they also failed to leave out that she's like one of the most beautiful human beings to have ever, ever existed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like yeah. she she would have started the Trojan War if she existed. Oh, my God. Period. So like, yeah. Amen. No, I mean, yeah, I forgot. God, God, God help me. I forgot about her. Yeah. And then and then obviously, like I say, do. Uh, and then and then in this film, Ana de Armas. And, and oh, my God. So, so good. Yeah. So she's good. amazing. So. 
We don't need to harp on it too much longer. We're not going to spoil it. Uh, I, 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 I will say, and once again, not a spoiler, but I, there were all those reports of Phoebe Waller-Bridges coming in and like b- punching up the script, including the dialogue. And I did say to Connor after seeing it yesterday, it was very clear to me that she got to the Ana de Armas part of the script and was like, I'm taking out all the dialogue. I'm putting in all my own dialogue. <laughs> like, it's yeah. very clear. I, I was like, this I, is her. Look, a lot is made in this world's and the entertainment industry, when it gets reported that, you know, this person was brought in to do re- rewrites, I think it's yeah. it, nowadays sometimes overreported because it might not mean that much. But every right. once in a while, when it's Aaron Sorkin coming in for Moneyball, or in the case of this, Phoebe Waller-Bridge coming in for um, for this film, you definitely see it on the screen now whether or not you like sorkin and moneyball whatever but you you see it is the point right like you see what he did to um to um steve's alien script like you can see the lines and and in this movie i think it it really helps i really think it really helps there's some really great moments of levity that like don't exist in the all the other bond movies i was i was surprised uh, bond movies I was surprised because I saw somebody comment on it originally that you couldn't see her in the script at all. And I, I, I very much felt her presence. Oh yeah. So yeah, Yeah. no agreed. So anyway, I think it's, you know, I think we'd all say, go, go seek it out. If you feel feel comfortable going to movie theater, obviously, and, um, and enjoy yourself now. And I was just going to say, uh, and if you do feel comfortable going to a movie theater, do see see it on the biggest screen you can. Yes, because oh, yeah, that yeah, just man. really makes it's it super, so enjoyable. It it's built for it, and it's yeah. it maximizes it to uh, to the biggest degree possible. Yeah, and I'm gonna even I'm gonna link in our article to Linus Sangren spoke to Movie Maker Magazine about kind of prepping for the shoot, and you know it's very inside baseball, but it's worth it because it's so well done. I was kind of like, let's. Let's um let's put it in here. Linus Sangren, who made a big movie that we covered on this podcast, a little movie called The Nutcracker in the Four Realms, baby. <laughs> Sangren is our you know, boy. It did, we it love did, Linus. It here. did have a little four realms nature. Yeah, to, I was a little thinking touch. That. Very a little, four realmsy. Yeah, yeah a little lots of Halstrom, Joe Johnson touch there. Yeah. Was it the uh, Army of Rats? I actually never saw <laughs> Nutcracker in the Four Realms, but I assume it has that in there it. There is somewhere. a large rat well, made of smaller rats. So is yeah, there really? I mean, yeah. Just so like me. Oh my four. god. Finally representation, <laughs> representation in the media. Matters, oh my god. I've been waiting my life matters. my whole life. So <laughs> <laughs> to the task at hand. Okay. Brenda Starr. Now, this movie, um, it is an adaptation of uh the popular newspaper comic serial from started in what 40 in the right, 40s Gavin? yeah 19 yeah. i think, I think june 30 exactly june 30th 1940 yeah and yeah. and um created by a woman who had to use a pseudonym oh interesting delia efron is credited on the screenplay she used the pseudonym speaking of pseudonyms but um characters by dale messick um and it's so it's Dahlia Messick or Dahlia Messick, but she went as Dale Messick. So she she created Brenda Starr Reporter, which um, ran from 1940 to actually 2011. So it had a very long run. And this is Brooke Shields at probably the height of her fame in the mid 80s playing Brenda Starr. And this is this movie's basically shot in 85, right? 
for an 86 release, basically. Um, with, like I said, Shields playing the lead and Timothy Dalton playing Basil St. John, who's kind of the romantic co-lead, but in the movie that doesn't really bear out. But what's interesting about the production is right before he's about to make this movie, he's cast as James Bond. So it kind of changes everything. And he has to work with the Broccoli's to like make sure he can do this, then do that, right? That being the Living Daylights. Um, and what's interesting about Brenda Starr is it's this kind of quirky adaptation of this comic strip that starts in the real world where you have a gentleman who's drawing Brenda Starr, then get. I mean, gentleman's and, a strong word. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's forced into the world of his you know, of his comic he's drawing, which Brenda lives in. And we, the gentleman um, that I referenced is Tony Peck. Yeah. Uh, it's his name on screen. Uh, and he's playing Mike Randall is the character's name. Yeah, and, um, throughout the entire movie, like, why didn't this guy blow up? No, he's so no. good. <laughs> he's just he's such a really charisma magnet. Popping <laughs> off the screen. <laughs> I mean, Gavin, you try acting next to... Uh, Timothy Dalton and Brooke Shields at her uh, at her peak there. Brooke Shields and Timothy Dalton, who and like I'm gonna let you continue because no, like, no, doing, please, you, please, you're doing a fantastic me. job. No, but Bro- no I'm not. Brooke Shields and Timothy Dalton, and also like a very special shout out to Diana Scar uh, Scarwild. Yeah, uh, is it Scarwid? Yeah, Scarwid. Scarwid. Yeah, yeah. A very special shout out to Diana Scarwid, who plays Libby Lipscomb, the foil. Who, yeah, yeah, the foil for Brenda Starr, who. All three of them are nailing the tone. Nailing it. They get it. They get it so well. But her especially that like I it like it got midway through the movie and I was like, write her more stuff. Like bring her back. Like every time she's on screen. So look, I did not enjoy this picture. It's not good. But but Brooke Shields is really good in it. And it's this thing with Brooke Shields where Absolutely. You know, and she wrote she wrote, you know, her book about her childhood and her mother and all these things. And you know, it's a book. I mean, my my mom read the book because she loved Brooke Shields. And, it, you know, it's a very it, I think it's an important book. And now she, she, you know, quite famously, unfortunately, probably partly because of Tom Cruise. Right. Has always been outspoken about uh, things like postpartum depression and, yeah. you know, elements that are important. Well, to you're being glib, Dan. You're being. Glib. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, oh, Tom. Anyway, um, so she's an important person in American culture that extrapolates beyond her fame. And obviously, you know, Brooke, Brooke Shields is still probably best known for the Blue Lagoon and Endless yeah. Love, right? I mean, she never really got back to that. So this movie, which ultimately comes out in the late 80s, early 90s, is made in the mid 80s. and um. She's really nailing the characters, I understand, as I, in the limited way, understand Brenda Starr, who basically the premise of Brenda Starr and part of the premise of this movie is, you know, she's an adventuring reporter who, you know, she's got a lot of gumption. She's got a lot of pizzazz. She's got a lot of outfits, you know, like Moxie is the word. Yeah, Moxie. Men, you know. The All men the, can't keep her down, you know. The to let out my like uh to let out that other side of me, um Bob Mackey costumes for everything she wears. 
glorious. Oh, yeah, glorious. No, just the, glorious. I think the look, I think the overall look of this movie is kind of what kept me going through it. Yes. It's not I, quite to the height of, say, something like Dick Tracy. Well, that's that's what I was going to say. Is yeah. you, you really, when you watch this, you feel like you're like, oh, because this predates the Dick Tracy movie. Yeah, that, yeah. That, and it's like, that's what they were going for. And they just didn't have the budgets. Or right. if they did have the budget, they like misappropriated where they put it. Which is so unfortunate because there's great stuff. Like the, this movie had me at the beginning. There's this weird thing where she where she's like falling from a building with a criminal and they like switch places. Oh, right. And it, and it looks terrible. But I was like, I'm in. Well, like <laughs> I think it also gets away with it. Right. Because there's this framing device of literal comic book panels. Right. That are then, you know. They they then become animated and Brooke Shields is doing the voiceover for them and things like that as you kind of and it uses them as transitional elements to get us from one point of the story to the next. But I think it's such a smart device because it immediately lets you know, like, as soon as you see something as silly as the two people falling from the building, you're like, yeah, oh, OK, cool. Like, I know what I'm watching. Right. Like and and you get the score. And I think both Dalton and Shields. And I mean, and I mean, most of basically the rest of the cast, except yeah. the fucking wet blanket at the center <laughs> that is Tony Peck. Yeah. I think everybody basically and, gets it except him. And, and so basically the simple I mean, as simple as it could be, the premise is, you know, Brenda Starr is pursuing um, it's a missing scientist plot, right, where. There's this missing scientist that they're afraid the Russians are going to get a hold of, and Brenda needs to find her with the help of her cartoonist, right? Ultimately, who is this guy, you know, uh, Tony Peck playing Mike Randall. And Basil St. John is like a Bond-like, you know pre-bond like you know adventure character with a with a eye patch who's kind of guiding her along while he romances her um is he and, supposed to be brazilian yeah he mentions yeah he mentions that okay, he yeah, like right. is from there and has, i wasn't, yeah, has I, wasn't house. I wasn't sure if i was putting that together and wrong. it's like <laughs> and that's the plot right they find this the scientist and meanwhile the russians are hot on their tail you know, Libby Lipscomb, who's Gavin, you mentioned Diana Scarwood is hot on her tail. Everybody's trying to get Brenda. Brenda's always a step ahead. And when she's not, she recovers, right? All these things. And the performances, like you said, Connor, are admirable. But really, it's all about the production, right? Basically, what happened was they've been trying to make the movie for about half a decade since uh, 1980. And Brooke really wanted to play the part. And basically, according to what this is off of Wikipedia, and I did read it in a couple other places. Brooke's mother, Terry, which who I just mentioned earlier, read the book. She um, found an investor, a guy named Sheikh Abdul Aziz Al Ibrahim, who is the brother-in-law of uh, the Saudi king Fad at the time. So Saudi Arabian royalty, as it were. And this guy basically funded the production with some of these stipulations. And a huge stipulation that ended up being a problem was... There was no distribution deal negotiated in conjunction with the money that he provided for the budget. So basically, they made this movie kind of partly on good faith with in terms of distributing it. And that's where things got hairy. So they made the movie and, you know, real people, you know, 
Brooke Shields was in it, right? Like you said, Bob Mackie designed the dresses. Delia Efron came on to rewrite the movie, who's Nora Efron's sister, who did a lot of work with you know Nora Efron. So the real people were involved, right? Um, and even Robert Ellis Miller, I mean, is a real Hollywood workman director, right? I mean, this guy directed the original Sweet November, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, right? He goes on to direct Hawks, which could have been another Timothy Dalton B-side. Probably should have been the Timothy Dalton B-side because he's more of a lead. <laughs> yeah, he's in that only movie, in like half of this movie. Which right? I did watch Hawks, um, which we can talk about briefly if we want. But um, anyway, so the movie gets finished and basically it, it becomes an, uh, an argument over how they want to distribute it. And the movie basically doesn't really come out and the rights get all wonky and finally gets barely released in the in in europe in 89 and then it gets dumped in the u.s three years later in 92 after batman's come out after dick tracy's come out yeah and it feels like what it wasn't which is like and also ran trying to copy those movies when in fact it got made before those movies and you know brooke shields there are plenty of quotes she it was i think pretty devastating for her that that's how that process ended because i think she loved the character she loved playing the character and i think the fact that it all kind of got away from her, which it you know, show, it, it shows too. It, it, an she's actor so, can't control that, you know. But. It, it shows too because she's so keyed in. Like, and I think the other thing with, like, I was trying to. So this has been adapted a couple. It had been adapted a couple times before this, but not really as like a proper movie, right? There was a serial in 1945, and then uh, actually Jill St. John, who has is is twice over uh, a James Bond uh leading lady was Brenda Starr in a 1976 uh, TV movie yeah. um and i think it's like it's, and it's one of those things that i think the option is kind of still there there are like other things i think almost constantly in development but it's one of those things that i can't help but i i got like kind of um i got kind of like tintin vibes watching this a little bit like it's this kind of one step to the next to the next in in just sort of seemingly disconnected but loosely connected uh zany sort of uh set pieces um and i think that's a fine especially a movie that's based on a comic strip i think that's a fine way to construct a movie i just think what confuses me is why is it not just a brenda star movie like I the the framing device of a cartoonist who gets sucked into the Brenda Starr comic and falls I think in love with Brenda Starr. Yeah. Just it feels like such a sweaty thing that it's like why why isn't it just I think a I think it's like a normal movie. Uh, I think it speaks to the the nature of when it was made, where I feel 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 like you would have the thought of Oh, we want people to understand it's a comic because it's going to get silly. And but of course, if you read the reviews, that doesn't help anybody's right. They 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 shit on this movie for the exact for the exact reasons. Right. Like silly. Right. Which which is almost the wrong. Like, that's not even the criticism I would leverage at the movie. I would leverage like confusing. Right. right. Like messy, <laughs> yeah. like slipshod. Right. It feels like 75 percent of a movie some things don't make sense like there's a map graphic that takes them from new york to um brazil but you already know they're like already in another country that's not new york right like i think they're already in puerto rico so it's like that's confusing right like you throw to a map 
and the information's incorrect, like in yeah. the movie, right? Like, like yeah. that stuff happens. And then like the end of the movie is just like a whoopsie that Brenda discovers. And it's like the weirdest, not, if we're meant to believe that Brenda Starr is this intrepid reporter, the way the movie wraps itself up has nothing to do with Brenda Starr, right? It's a convenience, right. which like, that's unfortunate for the character. Anyway, Gavin, what are your, what are your thoughts? I feel like we're, no, we're I mean, I, I agree with everything that's been said. I, I think it's like too into trying to explain itself uh, for its own good. I, you know, that's one of the, the advantages. And obviously once again, Dick Tracy had not been made yet, but that's one of the advantages Dick Tracy gets away with but it is funny because if you do remember the original superman the richard donner superman right. it begins yeah. with that's a comic strip yeah yeah it begins with the whole you know this is the superman story and this is a comic and you're entering a comic obviously much more successful um than having to bring in a person from the quote-unquote real world especially this, this real wet blanket he's so he's he just so sucks. bad he just he like, really sucks. and it's just funny because it's like it's just this fucking schmo whose romantic foil is Timothy Dalton. And yes. frankly, even Timothy Dalton with one eye. Right. Yeah. And and to me, and like, it feels like at points, Timothy Dalton is like this guy. No, right. Like, this is, like <laughs> right. I'm Timothy fucking Dalton. Right. And the, like, I kept waiting. I kept waiting for Timothy. I, I guess this is whatever. Moderate spoiler. Not really spoilers, but. I kept waiting for Timothy Dalton to be a villain. Like I kept waiting. Oh, yes. I, was I kept sure waiting. I kept waiting yeah, for yeah. it to be a Rocketeer thing, right? Where like I guess spoilers for the Rocketeer, but <laughs> I I kept waiting it for it to be that kind of thing where he seems gentlemanly and he's courting her and whatever, and it's turned turns out he's a Nazi, right? Like that's like legitimately what I thought was going to happen, and I in my head was kind of almost clocking it, like oh that's funny that Dalton just did this twice, and then like that's not what happens uh yeah at all and so it's weird it's like why not just be with he seems great i don't like (laughs) i like that i like that you brought up the rocketeer because in that movie he's like loosely playing errol flynn which is spoilers for a long-standing hollywood rumor (laughs) that errol flynn was secretly a nazi um which is highly doubtful at this time but I do. I do always think about that. I'm like at at present. Yeah, isn't he doing in that press time? In Rocketeer, (laughs) isn't he? It's like Errol Flynn by way of Charles Lindbergh a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit like it's, which is you know really where. Well, Charles Lindbergh was a Nazi. Yes, exactly, exactly. You know, which we we've all come to that. Yeah, yeah. At some point in our lives, it is what it is. There, um, but yeah, I mean, and the other thing you got to say about Superman. Um, which I think I think marketing for movies can be overly people can overly criticize bad marketing for movies, and then sometimes overly praise good marketing. Yeah, but I do think Superman is the example of perfect marketing for a movie in in by way of a tagline, right? right. Which is you know you'll believe a man can, can fly, fly, right? right. In 78, that's perfect advertising, right? So I think the other thing you run into with Brenda Starr is like, you know, how do you market it? Obviously, they didn't even they even have an opportunity to market it because it didn't really come out properly. So that's right. a whole other thing. And, and but, I, also th- I also think in the comparison of Superman to this, like this begins and is like comic book. It is a comic book. It is a comic book. And Superman was smart by starting being like, this is a comic book. But then the first lines you hear spoken by Jor-El 
is, you know, his very first thing he says is, this is no fantasy, no careless product of a wild imagination, but more garbly because he's Brando. <laughs> um, but like, and that's that's your way to instantly be like, OK, like we're not like this is not a child's thing. This is not. This is you know, right. Like I know what this is based on, but I also know how you right. Were, we're being it. asked, yeah, exactly. We're yeah. being asked to take this serious, and like once again, this movie's not asking you to take it serious, but it it like can't you know it can't eat its cake and have it too because it it like needs to be more garish or more fantastical or or just anything more than it is. But it's really weighed down by this, the you know, this explainer, as you said, yeah. this creation of this character that and like, once again, just the worst actor they could have picked. Right, for that right. I, and, and that I think has a lot to do with it, because I will say the device does lend itself to some occasional fun jokes like her having a belly button. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, that made to... me like I that laughed made me laugh. laugh. Yeah, I laughed. That out. made me laugh when she was asking about it. But yeah. then he's like. Oh yeah, the censors won't <laughs> let me draw you a belly button, and she's. I was just like, yeah, you're putting too much charm on it. <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. <laughs> I was like, are there cue cards somewhere? What yeah. is happening? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's an unfortunate thing. I mean, like, so Dalton, I, as we as we said, there's not much to say about the performance no. because he's I, very. I will say he's very thing, supporting, and the thing that he's, he's good, good at is like this. To me, feels like. It feels indicative of something like ultimately the Rocketeer or even Hot Fuzz, like just that, yeah. like, well, that yeah, cheeky was, level of knowing. I, right. So charming. Everything's a wink. Yeah. Everything yeah. is, you yeah. know. And look, Dalton, for my money, is one of these guys who he's a great example of who used to get cast as Bond. Right. Which is kind of yeah. Daniel Craig and to a degree Brosnan broke that mold a bit, which is to say. And we we kind of alluded to this earlier uh, in the last uh, part one of this, but you know Bond back in the day was they, they were not good actors, right? Like I mean, they, they Connery became a good actor, of course, right. right? But he was a young guy, mostly in TV, did like one thing on the theater, and then became James Bond, right? Roger Moore, a lot of TV, TV star, but same type of deal, right? Like was a very kind of a limited performer who did a few things really well and was a great Bond. I mean, I don't love a lot of his movies. Some people love a lot of his, you know, he is a very yeah. specific, like he's my dad's favorite Bond, like, you know, whatever. He's a great Bond. And then Dalton, I think, is a perfect example. Dalton, theater actor. You know, Lion in Winter is his first movie. He's great yeah. in that, right? He's, he's so always good. in things, and he's not bad, but he's a very English, right? He's actually not English. Is he English? No, he's. I uh, think he's Welsh. I think he's Welsh. He's Welsh. Yeah, yeah. But, he was. He was but, the Welsh Bond. Uh, he's the Welsh Bond. Yeah, but but um, he is a a specific type of actor, and like a lot of actors like him, the older he got on screen the better he got. And by the time you get to Penny Dreadful right. and Hot Fuzz and these yeah. things, he's a great actor. He's doing he does stuff in Penny Dreadful, the Showtime series. That's very nuanced and powerful. I mean, speaking of Ava Green, he's working against yeah. Ava Green, Josh Hartnett, who's, who's another another perfect example of that. The older he got, the better he got. Like that mo that show is showcasing kind of that those types of players and it's it's really well done but but in this the case of this movie he's kind of it's right before bond and i think there's limitations to what he can give you on the screen and then even in the 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 other movie hawks which you know is basically 2 years later in between his two bonds he's asked to do way more 
that's a that's like a bucket that movie is literally the bucket list before the bucket list that's what, <laughs> that's what hawks is uh with anthony edwards and uh timothy dalton and he's asked to do a lot and it doesn't really congeal which you know we you know we can briefly talk about but um he, all that being said he's charming here he does his job he he has decent enough chemistry with brooke shields brooke shields was 21 when she yeah. they shot this movie he's obviously way older there's a perfect entertainment weekly piece that i'll link to in the article that kind of lays out the production a bit and you know you know the thing the stuff with the chic and, and all these things but um yeah, suffice to say, it's basically a lost movie. I mean, we watched it on YouTube. I'll link to it on YouTube. I, I you can you can rent you can rent it. You can rent. I was it. Okay. Say, okay. I saw I saw a better it. I saw a better copy than the YouTube. Oh, that's good. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. So you you can rent it. That's yeah. good to know. Hawks. I wonder if you can rent Hawks. I'm sure you can. But anyway, yeah. I I was I was gonna say real quick too. The other Penny Dreadful Bond connection is Rory Kinnear. Right. Who, oh yeah, Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Yeah, Frankenstein's monster who plays Bill Tanner in the Craig era films. Um, and Kinnear, yeah, Rory Kinnear's good in the. Bond he's movies. so good in it. It's, it almost makes me sad that he gets like a cumulative. 15 minutes in all of the Craig era. I know. Did he, He's is he a actor. carryover? Did he start in? No. Uh, he... Cause Bill Tanner in the oh, Pierce right. Brosnan movies. Who is was that actually, actor? Um, I can't think of his name right now. Was it Colin but... Salmon? Yeah. yeah he... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like in the running to like take over for Bond. Oh, he would have been a there great, was... he would have been a great James Bond. There was like rumors of that happening as oh, well. What, Colin Salmon? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he would have been a great James Bond. Because I remember, because that was that was way before. I I, I am such a weird um, James Bond fan that like I always kept abreast of this stuff, and and this was like very much a a pre Idris Elba. Like everybody was like, "What James Bond can't be black?" And it's like, guys, he's a fictional character. He can be he can be a lobster <laughs> for all. Oh like... God, who? What lobster could play James Bond? That's something we should. Figure there was out. one I was eating recently, and I was like, well, "This is a British have, well, could have made a great Bond. <laughs> could it be the the Colin Farrell lobster from the Lobster? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. Um. But and that's interesting about Colin Salmon. Colin Salmon, who has that great episode in uh, the Aziz Ansari show. You, you guys ever see that? He, he has a. It's like Aziz Ansari does a like a zombie movie, and Colin Salmon is the star of it. It's oh, pretty, right. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yeah, actually, yeah. it's pretty. It's pretty good. Um, it's like it's like a la Patrick Stewart and extras kind of. Amazing. You know, it's yeah. like that's everything. Anyway, um, yeah. So that's Brenda Starr, Timothy Dalton, what have you. Um. You know, I think the most interesting thing about it, other than obviously it's troubled kind of distribution scenario, is like we said, it was made before that weird advent of, hey, maybe comic strip movies are a thing, which is kind of, you know, Hollywood misunderstanding what made Batman work. And then right. you get this minor success of Dick Tracy, which I do love that movie, but like was that movie wasn't a huge success, did okay. Um and then you get the shadow and then you get the phantom and then, you know, and then it's kind of like, oh, never mind, never mind. Right. Because they those movies don't have the same amount of success. Um, but um, the next movie. So Hawks, we take two minutes. I watched it. Like I said, it's two terminally ill men in England. One guy is Timothy Dalton, who's obviously an Englishman or a Brit, rather, I'll say. And um Anthony Edwards is an ex-athlete who is also dying. And they basically become 
friends of convenience, they escape from the hospital to go on like one last adventure. That's the movie. Now, the female lead is young Janet McTeer, who, if you don't know who she is, she plays Helen in the show Ozark on Netflix. She's very good in that show. So that nice to see her. That was kind of one of her early film roles. Um, I wouldn't say it's a particularly memorable movie. You know, there's some nice moments. This is during the period when Anthony Edwards was kind of getting those lead roles. He had made Miracle Mile, right? He's in a couple other things before ER hits. So none of his starring roles really ever hit in terms of box office receipts, but this is during that time. And as I mentioned, the same director who directed Brenda Starr directs Hawks, which is interesting. Um, so yeah, that's kind of all to say about that. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's, you know, referencing buck bucket list is the easiest thing to do, but it is, you know, it's a saccharine, you know, darkly comedic at times, uh, movie Dalton's charming in it, you know, and, and there's some powerful moments, but all in all fairly forgettable. Um, so obviously he makes living daylights. Dalton does. He makes license to kill. You run into, He's going to make the third one, but then all of this legal hullabaloo happens. And Gavin, you want to give us the quick, we mentioned it last time, but what's the quick, you know, long and the short of that? Um, so essentially, Kevin McClory, who co-wrote Thunderball, sues Eon Productions to attempt to make his own Bond series. He was able to get off one film at Fox, which is Never Say Never Again with Connery, which we mentioned last time, went head to head with Octopussy and Octopussy won by a small margin but one <laughs> um win, yes. and uh which we got at the end of the episode <laughs> um and he basically just wanted to remake this movie ad infinitum you know like his james bond series he like he uh, to my knowledge there was uh, a script ready called like warhead 3000 you know and he really wanted to cast you know both roger moore as the villain and dalton as his bond and um and he got the rights tied up in courts and finally the courts were like you no longer have rights to make your own bond series eon has the rights like let them take over and at that point it's you know it's 95 and timothy dalton's like i'm too old you know they were offering him golden eye and he was like and which I imagine would have been a very different movie. Yeah. You know, and who knows if it would have even been called Goldeneye at that point. But they were offering him, you know, the next the next Bond film. And he yeah. was like, well, he's because, like, yeah, he, he, he had signed a three movie deal. Right. And he's like, I've spent six years in stasis, guys. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a, gonna... it, is a, it is a shame, you know, because I I really like The Living Daylights. I really dislike License to Kill. Yeah. Um, I think like I I I also agree. I don't want to go to bat for License to Kill by any means. I will say some of the Wayne Newton stuff, even though it's wildly out of place and doesn't really need to be in the movie, I like. No, I the, mean license. Yeah, license. Uh, as well say, you know, Bond reflects the culture of its time. Miami Vice is the the immediate comp you do when you talk about uh, License to Kill, right. um, because that it, it's basically a nearly r-rated yeah um i mean there's there's a lot of other action movies in that time Miami period Vice you know it's a, it's a very yeah. commando it's a, right like it's yeah. like that they're, they're trying to hold it's on that to that overly macho macho thing i mean yes yeah i remember very frankly the you know sam raimi used uh james bond as oh like when he put out army of darkness he named it army of darkness 
so the MPAA wouldn't think about it as an Evil Dead film. Yeah. Because he knew if they did, they would give it an R and they still gave it an R. And he was like, you gave License to Kill a PG-13 rating when a man's head explodes on screen. Yeah. And he's like, there's nothing like that in my movie. And they were like, yeah, but all the James Bond movies are are that. <laughs> so like yeah. it's precedent. So it's just yeah, like fucking Benicio del Toro gets sent through a cocaine grinder. Right. Exactly. And, like yeah. the and so like, yeah, like I it's like it may be the most violent James Bond movie. Think, it's. Yeah, and I think the thing the thing about the Dalton's uh bonds, which they've been reappraised probably appropriately so, is they are the proto Craig movies, right? Which is to say what they're yeah. trying to do, whether or not you like the Craig Bonds, the success of the Craig Bonds dictates that they do it in a way that's amenable to the audience, right? Which is to say, like there's a darkness to the bond that's a bit closer to the Fleming books, right? There's a drum, there's a dramatic arc that's maybe kind of nuanced in a way that's not e- even in the Fleming books or in any of the prior bond films, maybe other than honor Majesty's secret service, um, which obviously was a one-off for a myriad of reasons, as we talked about last time. So, there are things they do in License to Kill. I like the ideas. Like the Carrie Lowell character is a good idea. It just doesn't really work, right? The yeah. license revoked element, which was the original title of the movie, right? That's a good idea. The vengeance stuff. Like all that stuff is interesting. And I think it just ends up playing better, you know, in, um, you know, the entirety of of the Craig movies, which I think is an interesting thing to think about. So anyway, all these legal things happen. Dalton acquiesces out. And you get Brosnan as Bond in 1995's Goldeneye. Finally, he he was the the original choice in the 80s, but his TV show Remington Steel prevented him from taking the role, as we talked about last time. So finally, he takes Bond and he makes Goldeneye. It's a hit. It's well-reviewed. Bond is back in a big way. It really did save the Bond franchise. Um, I think we know now that they were really... If that movie had not worked, I think Bond is done. And then... um, Two years later, Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, directed by Roger Spottiswood, classic Spottiswood, <laughs> Turner and Hooch's own Roger Spottiswood. <laughs> and um, that same year, a movie comes out called Robinson Crusoe, based on the Daniel Defoe novel from the 1700s, which for context, the way that book is written... Like it's a written lot of like Defoe's, a journal. It's, yeah, like yeah. a lot of Defoe's work, like Mul like Mul Flanders and and um is it Tom Jones, that's the name of it? Um it's like Well, it's um, certainly not unusual. Yeah, well done. <laughs> it's written like a biography, right? So it's kind of like this is the story of my life, right? And Defoe is credited by many literary scholars for inventing the modern realist novel, right? Which is right. Robinson Crusoe and these things. This movie um, doesn't have a lot to. It's just it's not good. It's not I don't know, Connor to talk about. Yeah, it. I'll. Uh, this is my fault. So, um, so yeah. So I picked this one because I think we had loosely mentioned it on. And if you want more Brosnan, we have a whole episode where we talked about Pierce Mikey Snydell. Yeah, with, lovely, lo- lovely Michael Snydell. With Michael Snydell and. Um, So and I think we had maybe loosely kind of mentioned this movie at some point thinking like, oh, we should talk about that movie. So that's kind of why I picked it here. 
it's it's we're kind of cheating because it's not even really a, a proper movie, at least technically in the United States. It was it wasn't released here until it was released on TV. Um, it did. It, do, you, do you know the story behind he, the the or as the, at least the story as I know it? Like, please well, tell, I, know, I know Harvey. I know Harvey Scissorhands was involved. Yes. Well, yeah. so it was shot to be during the. Let me take you back to a time called the 90s, kids. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> during the 90s, there was a lot of TV films based off of books, and most of them were produced by Hallmark. This was Hallmark's adaptation of Robinson Crusoe. Yeah, it looks like it. And, and Harvey, good old Harv, who deserved to have his career destroyed, um, he sees it and knows Brosnan has just been cast or is big because of uh, James Bond. That's what I mean. You know, he's bigger because of James Bond. Is like, this is great. This is going to be our big money-making, award-winning, you know, um, book adaptation, Miramax. But it, it's a TV movie. No, and it, like, and it, it never, looks like it. And it's... And, and, yeah. yeah. And I, I guess maybe he thought because it's shot in such a small, you know, location and whatnot that maybe that hides it. It doesn't. No. It, it, but that's what he, you know, I will he's say like, it, we're gonna... it does look like a well-produced TV movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, but yeah. but he's like, we're going to put it out in theaters. It's going to be you, no. And then it gets eventually dumped to TV years later. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it, it does a run in certain parts of the world theatrically right. uh, before it gets done. So I guess technically. And we have to and we have to say, like, Pierce, once again, I think ends up bucking the trend of like, and as does Connery, obviously him and Connery have very similar careers. I would actually say where bond, they worked for a while before bond and bond pushed them into movie stardom and they found moderate success for a period of time. And then obviously Connery became like a living legend. Brosnan's not quite there yet, but he still has time, right? But <laughs> but but it's a similar career is is the point. Yeah. And if you look at kind of even their during their bond tenures, they make they take similar risks actually. Um and so, but my point being, he made a lot of stuff like Robinson Crusoe. Like, like yeah. like Pierce Brosnan um was in the Manions of America in the early 80s, which was a miniseries that was very popular. Like Julie Mecca loved the Manions of America. You know what I mean? Like it was like one of these popular, like 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 the Thornbirds, you know? Yeah. And then he gets Remington Steele. He becomes a TV star, a la Roger Moore, right? And then he starts being the lead in like second-rate Hollywood movies like Live Wire, right? Lawnmower Man, right? Like some of them are kind of successful. Most of them aren't, right? He's around. He's always around, right? The Fourth Protocol, right? Like all these movies. And then he gets Bond and he kind of almost immediately, like you're saying, Gav, he like, Gavin, Gav, Gav, <laughs> an immediate uh, unintentional nickname. He 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 jumps from B list to A list basically, and Harvey sees that and tries to capitalize and basically fails. But it ultimately leads to stuff like the Thomas Crown Affair, right? To stuff like Laws of Attraction with Julian Moore, right? Like these kind of bigger, whether or not they're successful, these bigger budget Hollywood movies. Um, so yeah, Culmin it just, culminating in Mamma Mia culminating in mamma mia here we go again and i think um really culminating in eurovision 
Which, oh, right. I, yeah. I do think he's and quite he's, lo- he's, lovely. And, in that. Like him in that. and what an accurate Icelandic oh, accent, man. I might say. <laughs> oh, just, uh, yeah. just pitch perfect. Yeah, just really like doing the people of Reykjavik proud. <laughs> so, 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 so Brosnan is Irish. Mm-hmm. Connery is Scot- Scottish. Scottish. Yeah. Um, Roger Moore is straight up English, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, we just said uh, Dalton is Welsh. Welsh. And Craig is English, I believe. And Craig yes. is English. Damn. So is there, am I forget what are the. Oh, oh um, uh, uh, Lazenby is Australian. Yeah. So prison. So we, we even got the prison colony in there. Uh, One of them. Yeah. But, <laughs> but wow, that's interesting that they got so much of it covered. They just covered six... the, yeah, they, yeah. They covered the the motherland basically. Um, when will there be the American? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it um, was so we um we brought this up last time that there almost was an American James Bond, and yes. and we didn't mention who. And I realized, wasn't it uh, George Went? <laughs> <laughs> well done. No, no, no. Is it it's, wrong? It's uh, wasn't it almost James Brolin? Yeah. Yes. And then, yep, yep. yeah, and it was like close, right? Like it, like that was like a thing that like came very close yeah. to happening. Uh, I think it was Brolin because Roger Moore a couple of times yeah, was gonna it. retire. Yeah. And well, that's what kept. You said that last time, Gavin. Yeah, yeah. right before Octopussy, he was like, "I'm out," and they were like, "Please." They were like, "Connery's making a Bond movie without us, please." <laughs> like Roger, so. Roger. Yeah. We'll do anything. More, we'll make the same Roger, movie. More. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which can I tell you a funny? Because I I ended up watching episodes of The Saint while we were preparing for this. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I is have, kind of a, I have fun, a bunch of fun show uh, in the '60s. I did not fully appreciate how the movie The Saint, which I like a lot, has literally nothing, nothing. to do with the show. Like, no, nope. literally, his name is Simon Templar. That is the only thing. Yep. has in common with the original character or the show, which is I did not realize it was that crazily different. Yeah. <laughs> and even like and even and even the reason he's called the saint is different. Yeah. In oh, the yeah. saint movie. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, anyway, they were like source material. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like Ro- Ro- Robert Evans is like, for my final big movie, I will just change a character. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so um yeah you I know mean, look robinson crusoe the long and the short of it is it is a tv yeah. sized adaptation of the daniel defoe novel which yeah he's basically an aristocrat who gets shipwrecked on an island by himself yeah. and he has to contend with the natives and he's a piece prob- of shit about it it's he's problematic huge, to say the very least piece of shit about um, yeah you know the movie tries it tries it, to make that part of the arc yes. and the narrative and i suppose right i i, I messaged you and like, it like when i was in the, the first good, and it like adds the good native character yeah like, to be the like it, to be the like I, conduit type of, which is tough to deal with i, I will say if the one if there's one thing it's really successful at it is pointing out that sometimes the novels that we consider are classic maybe no longer have to be classic sure. novels. No, and, because yeah, I was yeah. discussing with, with Dan, not Dan Mecca, Dan Walber, that I was like, that when I was in school, this was still considered a classic novel. Yeah. And he was like, it wasn't for me because he's like five, six years younger. And I was like, oh, like I was like, were we? Did we really move? The, did the needle move far enough? I still yeah. think like, it, I this still is think kind of racist kind of, nonsense. I still think it kind of is consi- like I, you know what I mean. Like I'm sure if you fucking well, think, went look, and you, bought like a collection of classic run, novels or something, I'm sure it I might mean, even be in there, right? Like you run, right. yeah, you run into with Defoe 
right? You run into the birth of a nation thing, which is yeah. like he did invent the novel in a lot of ways. So I would probably, if I was, if anybody here has any interest in reading any of his books, I would say read Maul Flanders because even though that has a lot of tough stuff in regards to uh, women and whatnot, the character of Maul Flanders is at least there is an agency to her that like, even for the time it was written, you can, you could read and discuss in a way that felt more modern. And I'm, I'm kind of really giving it a lot of credit, but like <laughs> they also tried to make that, they made that into a movie starring Robin Wright in the mid nineties, which yeah, kind of similarly got discounted by, by the majority of people. But yeah, I mean, those are hard books. I mean, it's, it's not unlike Joseph Conrad or not Joseph Conrad, not unlike, uh, sorry, uh, Jungle Book or, or uh, Kipling. Kipling. Is, you know, yeah. Kipling is a similar no, yeah, conundrum. It, it's you know, su- with, it's super you know. similar to Kipling. And I granted, I have not I have not read the original Robinson Crusoe. So when I was watching this, one of the things that I was kind of like, oh, like, Maybe they're trying to legit course correct the novel a little bit and like try and manage some of the ickier things that are happening here, but it just doesn't do it enough successfully. I think obviously because at the end of the day, it's still through the lens of a white aristocrat. Like, even though like I will say there's a moment in this movie where it's like he basically sort of near the end, it becomes kind of a white saviory thing and it it gets called to question for doing that right yeah. which i can appreciate but it's still through pierce brosnan's lens right like it's still right. through so it's like still yeah, not there's, successful there's stuff that happens that it's like oh we still have to understand this fully through only the you know the the one white character right um but i i i do want to i do want to give one shout out to the movie that I do think I think William Takaku's performance as Man Friday is very good yeah. mm-hmm. for Agreed. for yeah. for for being such a limited and and for only being able to you know express in a very limited way and the way that the script is but he was he's really great and he's unfortunately he passed away in 2011 and he really didn't do too many um he was a theater actor and didn't do too many um films but he's actually an actor from papua new guinea Uh, so like i will give them credit for actually casting a person from From, the region that it is set in um and somebody that's able to to carry himself against some of these pretty like vile scenes of things that pierce brosnan is saying to him but you know it's interesting with pierce because he does another movie only a couple years later directed by richard attenborough called gray owl Okay. which is about the the famous trapper who who called himself Gray Owl, Owl, whose real name was Archibald Bellaney, who was a British guy who became fascinated with Native Americans and decided to change himself into a Native American. Cool, 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 cool. And cool, call yeah. himself cool, cool. Archie Gray Owl. Yikes, yikes, yikes. And he's like <laughs> the original environmentalist, which means nothing because it's but because he's white, you call him the original. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Okay, right. cool. But the movie is, I've seen it. I've seen it. It's a huge flop. It's like a big budgeted, nobody saw it. Uh, Richard Attenborough picture later in his obviously directing career. And it's just one of those things where it's an, 
it's interest. It's fascinating in the fact that they made it. Where you go, like, why would you make a? Why would you make a major movie about this guy? Right. Right. Like, there's like, so many of those that I'm just like, uh, yeah, it's very strange. This guy. Yeah, and it's only. Yeah. I mean, look, it's only 22 years ago. Right. It's not like yeah. that long ago, and it's so. Uh, Less controversially, it's yeah. not like the time that Michelle Pfeiffer loved Rucker Hauer so much that a wizard turned her into a lady <laughs> hawk. That's a different. That's a different thing. Okay, yeah. a different great great. Thing. If we ever I do own, Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer, you best be sure we're gonna. Fucking oh my talk god, about we, we we did a we did a Michelle Pfeiffer episode on the mixed reviews, and no one wanted to talk Lady Hawk oh, with me. Lady so hawk that's, fucking rules. I love that, if we that do same score. If we if we do. <laughs> If we do a Michelle Pfeiffer B-side, it's people like us only, Gavin. Yeah. We're only talking about people like us. Um, I hate you. I know, I know. <laughs> so, um, but so to, to the point, we don't need to talk too much more about Robin Sercuso, but the point Thank of, goodness. yes, the point of the Brosnan era is, like like I mentioned, he does take real swings, you know, Grey Owl being yeah. one of them, but then, you know, the Thomas Crown Affair is a huge win for him critically it's a modest hit and then yeah. stuff like evelyn which we did talk about when we covered brosnan or brosnan sorry is um is a lovely little movie which he really fought hard to get made right you have a lot of stuff like that the tailor of panama the john yeah. picture is a great john le carre uh, adaptation i would argue so see you know. now see now the more that you're talking about the other movies he's in because i was going to say something that i think is kind of controversial but now i'm maybe mentally well, say, walking say it, anyway, it back. say it anyway but i i was thinking like is brosnan sort of like a perfect guy to play bond because he may be uh, i hate saying this because i'm not an actor so i can't really judge but he maybe doesn't have the range to do like they sort of perp well, perfectly I... deploy him in a way yeah. that like really works for his bond movies and, and really well, like his air is defined by yeah. the way that he is but now when well, hearing you mention say, yeah well, but, no, but i was gonna say he's my favorite he's my personal favorite bond right? he's great like, yeah he's know. you know he's you know, the bond yeah. i grew up with a lot of you know the video game all these things that all matters he's my favorite bond he will always be my favorite bond and i don't you know whatever you know you can like who you like you know brosnan's my bond and that's okay now uh, to Have my point him? earlier, I think <laughs> that he became a more nuanced actor. I think okay. when he's in the pocket as Bond, you're exactly right. I think he's the perfect Bond. Yeah. Like, he's he's handsome. He's charming. He's debonair. He's, charming. he's all these yeah. things. He can, I, he can be really kind of lethal when you need him to be. Right, he can that's be very gonna, smart. I think that's the crucial you know. thing about him as James Bond, because I remember, you know, when they cast Craig, one of the big things that people who were immediate fans of him were like, oh, he seems like a dude who's been in a lot of fights. Right. Like he seems right. like a dude who could win in a fight. And that's true. But what I always liked about Brosnan is I felt like Brosnan had that perfect alchemy of like what made Craig rough and tumble and what made Connery and Moore and Dalton suave and charming, right? Like he just feels to me like the perfect Voltron of James Bonds. Like, yeah, that's how, that's how I feel. Yeah. I feel like, and I, I know a lot of people disagree with this and I understand that, but I, I well, this I is our like, podcast. So they're I, wrong. I, yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel like Brosnan is the perfect rendering of how I see James Bond, which is like, He's shining it on and it's working like the rich guy thing. 
but it's a sh- but it's a but he's faking it right right but it's working we're like what craig and dalton are doing is kind of like in my opinion like they're shining on and it doesn't really work but they're tough guys so they'll do what they do and then you know connery and lazenby and more even though like they're also different it's more like straightforward right they're just like they're spies they're charming you know what have you and i think for all the people who will complain about the Craig Bonds and especially how they end and everything, to me, it feels like a natural progression, right? Like, yeah. y- you know, you can argue the sanctity of the character and whatever, all these things that I'm sure will come up, but like, you got to make choices and changes, right? You yeah. got to expand the character. You can't like, and if you don't, you get Die Another Day, which I, look, I like Die Another Day more no, than you a don't. lot of people. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm not like a defender per se of it, but like, I get how you get there. And I. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't, I don't mind. Here's my, here's my thing. You have the movie where he goes to space. Okay. It's right. silly. There's one of them. Okay. Right. You got the invisible car one. It's silly. There's one of them. The, yeah. it, can you, can yeah, I say something on. kind That's of controversial? The invisible car is cool. Yeah, oh. it's like it's kind of the least of the problems. It's such that a movie weird has. thing that like it's just, I, it's I remember just the, the jump the shark. Yeah, thing. yeah. I remember the press to. and the people were like, and he's got an invisible car. Like <laughs> that was the craziest thing in that movie. When and it, when and in it's my like, mind, I'm like, yeah, an invisible car seems like a thing that should be on the checklist of James Bond right. things. Like it's, it's like oh, the invisible car is your problem. I just sat through 192 minutes of <laughs> dick jokes by every per- like. Like there's a scene, the party scene where Halle Berry and uh Miranda Frost, why can't I think of her name? Oh, Rose Girl. Rose, Rose, Rose yeah, Roseman Pike, who is also brilliant in casting. Um she's she the best is actually, thing about she's a great Bond girl. She she's my favorite thing about Die Another Day, yeah, she's if we're great. being perfectly yeah. honest. But there's literally a party scene where they like back and forth for like a solid minute doing like dick puns and i was just like well, the whole could madonna, someone the whole madonna me? cameo is that yeah yeah right isn't the although whole that, madonna cameo although that scene is pretty like, cool that yeah. scene is my favorite scene in the movie the sword, i am a sucker for a sword fight in a movie and the fact that they go through so many different types of it's swords, awesome it's I'm, a great idea for a scene it's like what if they just kept breaking cases that had yeah. different swords in them and then they picked and, up those swords and honestly i think that sword you know that sword fighting place would have that gentleman's club would then have to be closed down afterwards so you could say it was the last duel ah there it is <laughs> hey well now done. hey now well done um in theaters october 15th whatever but um, but anyways i i complete i actually completely understand what you're saying about pierce brosnan because i do i do think he's a, a good actor but i think when you watch this specifically and i know we're moving off robinson crusoe but there's you know spoilers for a 200 year old book but man friday dies and he lets out this like primal scream and it feels like stage scream yeah it's like yeah, yeah. i was like no brosnan like you loved this man. This man was a brother to you. This man was your family for five years. Like, no, like, yeah. come, come on. There has to be another take of this. And so that's that's what I, I like. I 
as for as much as I wasn't enjoying the movie, then I got there and I was just like, oh, one okay. thing we should mention, too, is that this is also like so this is before not unlike the Dalton thing. He shoots this before he's Bond. Right. So, yeah. OK, yeah. so I was right. I was right. Yeah. yeah so he, shoots Weinstein, this, he shoots this yeah. before he's Bond. And Weinstein actually, saw all the, the money in the idea yeah. that the next Bond would be it, in this movie. It, exactly. You know? Exactly. And so I think part of it kind of like what Dan said about Dalton is I think he's just another one of those actors who just, he, he got better as he got older. And so yeah. maybe it just wasn't quite there yet. I, one fun fact about well, this is yeah. they, they paid him in a Porsche uh, because <laughs> he was supposed to do more work on it, but it was at the same time that he was going to start prepping for Goldeneye, And he just really didn't want to do this movie anymore. And they were like, he was like, okay, cool. Like they're like, we'll pay you this much more money. He's like, no, I really do want to buy a Porsche though. Can you just pay me in a Porsche? And so they bought him a Porsche and he did like, I think like an extra week of shooting or something like that. Hey, good. Uh, nice work. If you can get it. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and you know, it's, 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 a, it's a good transition point because I, from my money, Daniel Craig, and I don't even think this is that controversial. Daniel Craig is certainly the best actor cast as bond when he's cast as bond. Agreed. Yeah. Right. Like when Craig gets the role pre casino Royale in the mid, you know, aughts 2000s he is a good actor right he's he's connor rooney in road to perdition he's in the mother he's in enduring love he's you know he layer cake is just coming out which is who can forget lara croft tomb raider obviously is he in the first or the second it's gerard butler gerard butler's in the second one he's in the first one yeah um so yeah i mean he point is he for my money and I think you'll see this moving forward. I mean, who knows who will be the next Bond, but like he's not an unknown, right? He's like a very good, reliable English actor who then, you know, gets Bond. And there's that momentary panic because he's blonde. And Which blah, is blah, the blah, mob. But hey, can I ask a question? Because I remember thinking this was stupid when it happened. Is Roger Moore not blonde? Good I question. have this. I have right? this problem. Yeah, it's a good question. We were, we, we were playing cinephile last night when somebody's hey, and maybe it's my, cinephile. <laughs> and maybe, and maybe that sounds it's my, like a cool yeah. card game. I know you. It's this little game you've never heard of it. Whatever. Um, but uh, the uh, thanks, Corey. And um, uh, like, and maybe it's my colorblindness. But if any hair gets to the like the dirty blonde level, my brain no longer registers it, it as blonde. And so like they, for years when I was I was a big Buffy fan as a teen, if you've um, ever met me and know I'm a nerd. And I was like, why does everybody refer to Sarah Michelle Gellar as being blonde? Because <laughs> like it was dirty, Ooh, dirty, dirty blondish blonde. enough yeah. that I was like, it's brown. So like to me, Roger Moore has has is a brunette. OK, but so that that's interesting because I, I look at him, though, and he's bl- I don't know, like I look at him and he's got like gold in his hair you know gold um gold. But, <laughs> it's back um, gold in his hair was the um <laughs> was the turned down james bond theme yeah exactly you know, yeah. connor the way, the way you keep bringing up gold it's like the jumanji game in the sand at the end of the first movie <laughs> but instead but instead of the instead of the heartbeat it's just gold gold yeah. gold, <laughs> gold um no i just so, anyway yeah, i just remember thinking when the craig bond not blonde thing it happened. I was like, well, that's we already had a blonde one. Why does anybody care? <laughs> like, what, what does it matter? <laughs> I mean, I will I will say Craig is like Aryan blonde. Sure. Right? Yes. Like he, he, yeah. You know, he yeah. is though those I mean, and also the blue eyes. My God. Yeah. Which, yeah. which that, which that was no, my dad's favorite thing about it. Like literally when yeah. we saw Casino Royale opening night, 
and it the ends the you know my name ends with the like his eyes focusing yeah. on his eyes my dad was like his eyes <laughs> <laughs> which which <laughs> i mean no time to die cashes in on times 47,000 yes, you know, yes yes which yeah. which i actually i actually loved and yeah. and you know flashbacks of a fool which is our final movie um which happens right in the midst right post casino royale yeah. right in the midst of quantum of solace um uh also really is like hey how about those baby blues you know yeah. you know and they're like we got craig for a weekend Let's, yeah, let's I mean, shoot a framing device. I can just run through this one quick, which is to say Flashbacks of a Fool is a movie in which um, it's an Arrested Development movie, right? Like there's a lot of movies like this, like something like Spread with um, Ashton Kutcher is like this, something like, um, I mean, Arthur is the prototypical kind of comedic version of this. Like you have a lot of movies where it's basically you have a movie star. His name's Joe Scott. And he's living in Hollywood and he's on the back end of his very exciting movie star career. And nobody wants to work with him anymore because he's impossible to deal with. And <laughs> Mark Strong's agent's like, you're impossible to deal with. And yeah, never, we know that gonna, because he yells it in a restaurant. You're never going to get another job in this town again, you fool. Why don't you have a flashback, you fool? And Eve, the uh, the actress uh, singer, Eve, yeah. is his long-suffering manager slash assistant and um she's also in this movie <laughs> and um basically his best and friend eve is here <laughs> ladies, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen eve <laughs> um and um basically what happens is he gets a call right at the moment he thinks you know hey there's there's nothing left um, i'm washed up as a movie star and um he Washed gets a call from his mother in a moment. well yeah. yeah i was gonna say so he gets a call Get that his, his best friend from childhood has unexpectedly passed away yeah and in his sadness daniel craig uh uh pulls a jeff buckley r.i.p and he walks into the water and is having a moment of reflection slash suicidal moment and we then see the next hour of the movie, which is the flashbacks of a fool. And it's yeah. this guy's childhood complicated as it were in Britain and him and his friend and his mother, who's Olivia Williams. Right. And yes, um, who I Olivia Williams is one of lovely, my favorite uh, underrated actresses, lovely. like genuinely. So when she like, first appeared on screen i i gasped you were like, like <laughs> you were like oh i'm in for something yeah i was like yeah and you Lydia. get you get you know young felicity jones as a budding love interest you get yeah. young harry eden who i don't believe acts anymore as young daniel craig young oh Joe i didn't Scott. know that he's he's, he's very good, good for this I limited thought. script yeah, yeah i thought he was fairly good you get claire forlani for a few moments at the end um and then you get Helen McCrory, who sadly passed, if you remember, Damian Lewis's um, wife. She, she yeah. sadly passed away. And Damian uh, Lewis, only, only who, earlier this who year. passed when Pierce Brosnan shot him in the beginning of, <laughs> of, of Robinson, Robinson Crusoe. Crusoe. Yeah. And um, it's basically a movie about, you know, the turbulence of growing up. There's a there's a toward affair with the uh, the next door neighbor that young Joe Scott has to contend with she's an older woman there's a 
an unbelievably traumatizing scene that I totally forgot about when rewatching this yeah. movie involving a young girl that is a new father. I turned the movie if, off for two days. If I, I were, oh, really, I, I was like, no, I can't. If keep I were to this. fill out like my bingo sheet for this movie, yeah, sea mines would not be <laughs> on there. <laughs> and until until that happens, I kept being like, what are we doing here? Because honestly. There's no there there in no, this movie. Yeah, right? well, that's the I was, yeah, I was right. like, what is the importance of this story? Yeah. What like what and Helen, like, Helen McCrory is Peggy, right? She is the the woman that he's having the affair with. No, no, right? no, no. Helen McCrory oh, is okay. uh is his the sister? Oh yes. okay. Yeah. Later later in the in, film. when it, when it's in the in the third part of the movie. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. And okay. she's very good, she's very yeah. good in her very limited screen time. Yeah. Um but uh but yeah, I was I was like, I was like the pro- the problem with this film is like the wraparound story is fine, whatever it you know it it is what it is, and we've seen that a million times. Though I will admit, I loved him putting on foundation in the film to oh. like hide the the dark circles under the eyes, the vanity in that. Yeah. I love because you never see that. Um, but um, the but the flashback story. First of all, like why is he a fool? Like he's not a <laughs> fool. He's just a dumb teen like that's not you know he makes a couple mistakes that are that suck but like they're just mistakes and um the relationship with his friend like isn't like pronounced enough in a way like it tries to to like the when you first see them they're like jerking off together in a haunted house right but it's you're not, like what is this relationship yeah or what is it yeah, become, yeah or what does it mean to them well, yeah. right and so like when when he like stops hanging out with him, it's like, but is that like, did his friend have a crush on him or like what? Like, yeah. it's not deep enough. And then the relationship that he ends up having with Felicity Jones, later played by Claire Forlani, also doesn't feel deep enough because it's like he spent one golden afternoon with her. Right. And everything's done. It, yeah. Everything's done in such quick succession that you're like, well, yeah. as, as far because when he sees Claire Forlani later, they're talking like they're like old friends who have a history. Right. And that, I'm like, that they as were far like as lovers I'm, for a yeah, decade. As, <laughs> and, and, and as far as we know, they spent one day together. Right. And like, it, and admittedly, yeah. they did like an imaginary music video to Roxy Music's If There's Something, or If There Is Something, which I fucking love Roxy Music. Sure, and yeah. I love the conversation that they have about Bowie versus Brian Ferry. Yeah. And she makes him look like Brian Ferry, yeah. which I also appreciate. But but once again, that's all style. It's not. Substance. Well, and I was going to say you run into, I think I, I don't like being reduc- reductive when you talk about filmmakers, but yeah, allow me to be, which is to say Bally Walsh, who directed this, is primarily a music video director before this and even after this. Right. He did a Springsteen doc after this. But like he's a music guy. He's, you know, I think more in the pocket of corporate stuff, music video yeah. stuff. And a lot of this movie is quite snappy and handsome. And I think that's yeah, it's great. Well, it's well shot. Like it looks, no, yeah. Yeah, it looks and, nice. And I think yeah. it's got a nice blue sheen to it that only it's almost the movie almost matches his eyes, which I think is interesting, like as an aesthetic choice. But that like works better when you're pitching it to like a watch company for the 30 right. second ad for the, what, sure. you know what I mean? It's right. like, yeah. And so you have those things which are good, but to both of your points, the narrative that wraps around it is just not enough. Right. So well, right. the other thing too, that's yeah. weird is like, 
they they make mention of like oh you you know you got out of here and you left to go do the things you wanted to do and daniel craig has that quip that quip where he's like well what i thought i wanted to do and it's like yeah but like in those flashbacks i saw no inkling of this dude ever wanting to like be a hollywood movie star or like or like or have any kind of conflict with wanting to be that and not being able to but connor you know you know what he wanted to be connor he wanted to be a fool uh, <laughs> well that's and i and i was like wow. and i was like what has led him to become such a self-destructive person is it this lost love is it this lost friendship is it that that like he abandoned this town and therefore he like but could but it I, be the little I, girl whose death is on his conscience because but, of a sea mine exploding <laughs> right well that's the thing right is it's like it's an it's an accident and it is totally one of those things that would haunt you for forever the rest of your life. yeah sure but also like it is one of those things that, like, I don't. It's well, such a freak tell, accident. Here's the thing: it, I, yeah. oh, when I when I'm taking Noah to daycare, I always it's on the drive. <laughs> yeah. I'm always looking out for sea mines because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you never know. Here in Pittsburgh, you never know. There's three rivers. You have the Monongahela, <laughs> the Allegheny, the other one. They're all. <laughs> As Bruce Willis has to contend with in the movie originally titled Three Rivers and then unfortunately changed the striking distance, also co-starring Sarah Jessica Parker. That water can be dangerous. You got to contend with that water. Sea mines are everywhere. Well, you got to be but careful. He, he, earnestly, here's a weird I feel like this is the thing with this movie is it almost needed like a second set of hands to be like, no, let me like wrap this up in a way for you that works. Right. Because like I thought so. We keep dancing around the sea mines just for the sake of the listener. Uh, the next door neighbor who he, he's having the affair with, right, when he's a young man, um, they kind of kick her daughter out of the house so they can have sex, right? And there is a sea mine that has washed up on the beach and she starts playing on it and it explodes in a gigantic explosion and she's killed instantly, right? And it's a crazy moment in the movie. What I thought was going to happen, which to me is like, why wouldn't you do this? Because at least there's just more poetry to it. And it's less overwrought than a sea mine washing ashore is. I thought she was just going to wander into the ocean and drown. Right. Which like I thought it was just going to tie into him doing his thing. In the yeah, first that's half a weird of the movie, point. Right? Like, he's in the water. Right? Yeah, he waits all, in, in the I, water. It, it yeah. was like it was like this convenient, nice little device that was there, and then they just like ignore. And, and I <laughs> and I think would take away that weird layer for that's keeping me distance because I just think like, yeah, if you like, if you felt responsible for this because you were busy having sex with this neighbor and she sent her daughter out to play and then the daughter drowned i could be like oh yeah, yeah like that's sense. that that would weigh heavy on you because you'd be like oh but <laughs> but it's like she went out to play near the water and then blew up <laughs> right it's like it, wait, seemingly what? maybe in a thing <laughs> gavin no gavin have you ever had a relative you don't have the right you to don't talk know. about it and, and, and honestly and until only, you have a until, child. only until you have a loved one step on a sea line my, my three big fears in life have always been when you put your legs over the side of the bed and something grabs you from underneath it yep. robots and sea mines so i get it i get it but like <laughs> for me it's always been spiders Sharks and sea mines. Sea mines. Oh, for me, it's lightning, quicksand, and sea mines for sure. Sea mines. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, but like the other thing too. The 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 second thing as I was watching it that I was like, oh, like 
why is this this way and not this way is that why is Felicity Jones not just the third friend? Right. Right. Like, why is it? I can't think of who the other actor is who plays Boots, his friend Boots, childhood. Because it seems so unimportant. No, but that, that's yet but he's that, the, the yeah, catalyst. No, 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 but that's that's kind of my point to the whole thing is like if she's just the third friend. Right. And they're just right. three friends who kind of have this ongoing love triangle growing up and nothing ever comes of it. And he's the one and Joe is the one who has a shot with her, but he fucks it up because he's been fucking his neighbor. Right. Which is what happens. Right. And then the child dies and then he leaves and whatever. And then he comes back to realize that Boots has married Ruth, who's Felicity Jones turned Claire Forlani. Uh, yeah. If, Same accent. Really right, just yeah, nailed right. it. Both but, of them but, just like really work together on that one. The um, But I just to me that at least I can be like, oh, yeah, like at least it was a she was like a never was right. She was like right. the one who got away. And I can totally right. get well, that whole thing. Yeah. And it's so no, weird it's a good because point. It, it feels like it's all right there. So to just miss it when you're constructing and, this. And we should just say feels Max, Max Deacon plays Boots McKay. And then yeah. Jody May plays Evelyn, who's the housewife next door. So just yeah. she's very good. Actually, was, yeah, she's very good. Uh, yeah. She's so good, especially she's really good at hitting those like sad notes because she's oh, sad yeah. way yes. before yeah. her child dies and i think that it's an impressive because it's it's an interesting w- way to play that sadness underneath and 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 you know sometimes it's very apparent sometimes it's not i do want to say real quick too because i love that we've now rewritten the film for you know this <laughs> this, te- this decade old film but i love that we've rewritten it for them but also like that's why i'm you know as a as a you know somebody who identifies as a queer individual you know who's in a relationship with a man i was like really like because she's not the third friend i was like so is there not a love triangle here or like i began like building one for myself and i was like oh boots is in love with him and then you get nothing for that so i was like okay well then i don't know like because i have people that i was friends with as a child that i'm not friends with anymore and if they died my mom would tell me and i'd be like oh that's terrible and then my life would go on right i don't know if i would wander (laughs) into the ocean Right. (laughs) Um, yeah i mean i think it's just one of these things there's a lot of good intentions here i don't think it's by and large a bad picture i think there's some interesting things i I, we were talking um ahead of this i said weirdly craig is one of the weaker parts of the film in my mind which isn't really an indictment on craig as much as it's just like you know this is more a movie about young joe scott so it's like you know joe scott the shitty movie star i mean to your gavin to your earlier point one of the more interesting things the movie does do i will say and it is daniel craig adjacent is the little details of a fading movie star with the foundation under the eyes with the kind of um on a dime tantrum stuff he does with eve yeah where then but then he's immediately nice to her that's yeah. like if you work in the industry, that's real stuff that happens with people like that. Where like, oh no, I, f- I found their performance basic, believable. Yeah, they're basically know? nice, and then they're the worst people in the world, and then they're nice again, right? That's a common like thing. It not, I mean, I'm not forgiving it. I'm just saying it, it's rendered nicely in the movie. I just think 
he's literally not given much to do. I mean, he's you yeah. know he's floating in the ocean, and then he's talking to Claire Folani. I have it's to like, wonder so. if how if any of that was combating with him having to go. Play oh sure, games. but like where it's like, yeah, hey, look, sure, we sure. we got him for four days or something. Uh, he's a producer on the movie too, which I don't. Do think you know mentioned, what I but. I read? I can't remember where I read this. He was meant to shoot an extra week, but there was there was (laughs) they paid him in a Maserati. There was a C mine. There was a C mine. mine. He's like I've always wanted a C mine, and they paid him in it. Um, I I do I do want to say I know when you when you hit a certain age, you kind of like don't you don't age into a full other person. So like it is silly to to double cast for. But the old age makeup they slap Olivia Will- Williams in when he like comes back at the end of the movie, I was like, "Oh no, yeah, yeah just don't, <laughs> don't do it. Just yeah. like yeah. put a put a shawl yeah. on her or something." Yeah, you know I mean? so like, I was like, "Ooh, now, boy. Gavin, I just I know we shouldn't do this while recording, but you need you wanted to be paid in C mines for this, right? I yeah. did. I took okay. it. Actually, on their you, way, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I was gonna say you've sent twelve, and I'm just waiting for the thirteenth yeah. one. So if you guys could get on it. <laughs> I like the clock is ticking. Then, I need these for Halloween. You were like, you, Kevin was like, I need a baker's dozen. To see <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how they come. Yeah. I've told you so many times. <laughs> you can't uh, buy less. I know Ernest, and this this could be the I'll button up the C mine discussion here, but like. No, I, so I had this. Not, no, I, I had this. I, I was, just be ginger with I it. I watched okay? this. I finished watching this today. Um, I had it on my laptop while I was playing some video games. And so I was kind of, admittedly kind of like half watching it. I kept looking down and then it, but it was one of those things where I did a double take when she like is playing by the water and then she climbs on the thing where I just legit was like, is that a, is that a fucking sea mine? Like it was just this like, cause she goes to the water and I was like, I was like, oh, she's just going to go in the water and drown. That's a bummer. Oh, and, but man. then I looked and I'm like, there's this fucking sea mine here. <laughs> um, which I guess here's the, this is the thing. That is a thing that is so specific, right? That Bally Walsh, his fucking uncle or something yeah must yeah. have known I mean, now, so, yeah. must i know have, now i'm gonna feel bad no no no. but i'm just saying the like, last 40 minutes but yeah yeah no, but, yes, but, exactly. but must have known somebody right who was like yeah oh, there's oh, there's some trauma when there it was a boy it was a girl went out <laughs> to the beach <laughs> sorry that's terrible it's awful no but no but also no. very accurate that was that was clear for Lana's <laughs> yeah. accent at the end of the movie it's do you so remember daniel good to see you do you remember those weird fucking scotch commercials that she did Yes, yes. I do. or she was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. "Oi, Angus," and you're like, "Oh, what?" And <laughs> and they didn't sell enough scotch, and so they disappeared her. And that's that's what happened. Well, to uh, well, Gavin, it was that in her performance in the medallion was the thing. Yes. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, but but yeah, I mean th- that whole thing is crazy. I mean, uh, with all the laugh, with all the laughter being said, like I said when I watched it. It did bother me actually because sure, I was like horrifying. I was so shocked by it yeah. and horrified. But anyway, 
Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's flashbacks of a fool kind of writ large. Um, it doesn't really get a proper release here. It make, I think it makes like a million dollars, which I guess is proper I, enough. Honestly. I love that the common thread to all three of these movies are like they didn't come out and you will never see them. So sorry. You can, Thank you for listening. This is another one. You can, you can rent this one. You can rent it. Well, this yeah. one's on Flashbacks of a Fool is on Tubi. Right? Oh, there it is. Yeah, there you go. So, Free plug. so it's very available. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, look, these three movies, kind of not unlike the other three, all six really. I mean, maybe not Woman of Straw, but like, yeah. But um, but even I, that, I would... that didn't really get fully released in America either. That was a European production. But like, but all of these movies, um, the Lazenby one, the Universal Soldier especially, really kind of are are really but like lost. Does, it does not exist. Yeah, they're yeah. they're very yeah. minor yeah. works. Yeah. Seasides, D sides. Yeah. So C-mines. let's do so so <laughs> so let's do this as we as we kind of begin to wrap up here. Well, I wanted to do okay. Can we do? I wanted to try something new. This is new for the podcast, kind of Bond specific, but I thought it would be fun. Maybe Ooh, for we, a have couple a, we have minutes. activities. <laughs> well, I wanted to do. I was looking up some Bond trivia, and you know, Gavin is as he says, he's a big Bond fan. And um, Con- and now you're about to find out Connor, that I'm not, but that's- Connor is also here, so I thought we could <laughs> like do Eve. a um like and ladies and gentlemen, and gentlemen Eve. Eve. Um, <laughs> um, I would just ask you a couple of Bond related trivia questions and see if you get them. All right, so we'll jump in. Okay, here. okay. So here's one. Now this is from Parade.com. Has an article that came out September 24th of this year called "The Ultimate List of James Bond Trivia," written by Mara Reinstein. So thank you, Mara. At Mara Reinstein, uh, good work. Okay, so, all right. What is the record for romantic encounters in a single Bond film? Oh, that's so a- the num the number's four, and it's a tie between two Bond movies. Oh, and what, what do are you the think? Bond movies? What are the Bond movies? What do you think? Um, hard question, but just I. Uh, one of them's got to be a Connery. I feel yeah. like. The one yeah, is, one is a Connery. Yep. Uh, and, and then, then uh, the then the others got to be because it's not Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And then famously, they cut down on the numbers of love interests because of the AIDS epidemic. Correct. Yeah, for Dalton. Uh, for Dalton. So it has to be more. Yeah, it's, so more. it's, Connery, it's more. And more. Connery and more. Yep. The, you're halfway there. Is it? Um, is it? You only live twice. It is Connor. And okay, so then the other one is a view to a kill. Wow! Yeah. yeah. Yes. There it is. All right. <laughs> you guys, this is fun. Okay. All right. So, um, oh, this is I thought was a good one. Okay. The number of actors who have played Bond's CIA counterpart and ally Felix Leiter. Oh, we talked including talk to- yeah. including Jack Lord in the original Doctor No, who I don't think they specifically say it, but he's playing Felix Lane. Number of actors, right? Actors. Not times number of the actors. character has appeared. Not times, no. Okay. Number of actors, including Jack Lord. So. Yeah, we Gavin and I talked about this a little bit yesterday after we saw the movie. Um, I am going to say five. I remember, okay, five is a guess. Remember, Lighter dies in License to Kill, right? That's yes. the, right, but the actor for the who plays movie. him in License to Kill is the same dude in from Daylight. From, yeah. Or no, he's not the same dude. Because they cast a younger person for Daylights, uh, and then they yes. brought back the guy from... Oh, from the I other want, one. I see. I want to say from Dr. No, but maybe... Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Yeah. yeah, Goldfinger, so, yeah. So, Gavin, what's your guess? Connor said so, five. So, my guess would be... I'm, I'm trying to think through it right now, because 
Lighter is wholly absent from the Pierce Brosnan era because they were still trying to do that like loose continuity thing. So they were like, oh, so he's dead now, even though he somehow aged back and forth. Right. He basically down. becomes Jodon Baker in those, right. in those movies. Yeah. Right. Uh, which is funny because Jodon Baker is the villain. In of the living Dead. Yeah. But um, I'm going to say seven. Seven, Gavin! Oh, wow. Good job! Good job. <laughs> I can't name them all, but I'm like running through them in my head. Um, all right. Oh, here we go. Well, this is easy, though. You're going to get this. The shortest. What's the shortest Bond movie? Oh, Quantum. Quantum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, one, lo- yeah. the longest, obviously, is No Time to Die. No Time to Die. And, oh, this is interesting. You're not going to get this, but I thought this was cool. The amount of villains, henchmen, people, bad guys who have died in all the Bond movies, um, uh, obviously ahead of No Time to Die. Wait, like the total body count? Total body count of villains. The number oh, is, that's, oh, which yeah, is obviously, no which is like, you you have to do funky math, but the number they have here is 405. Okay. And what's the movie, who? what is the Bond movie where only one person dies, only one villain dies? Oh, um... Oh, 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 it's the man with the golden man gun. Man with the golden gun. That can't be true, though, because he kills another agent at the beginning of the movie. No, 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 villain, though, villain. Oh, villain, villain. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah villain. Doesn't okay. He, so, kill, so, yeah. he doesn't kill Knickknack? What happens to no, Knickknack? He, no, he lives. That's Knickknack uh, lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick, uh, he, like, inherits Scaramanga's up, fortune. Oh, um, and then, uh, go ahead. Sorry, Gavin. No, no, go on. I'm, I, no, the, I'm the only other one that I thought was kind of a cute question was, or, uh, yeah, trivia was, um, how many movies was Desmond Llewellyn, who plays Q, pre-Ben Whishaw, uh, is he is he in? How oh. many Bond movies? Um, he is in... Um, 15? No. Close. Uh, well, but... I mean, if that's your guess, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. <laughs> that's, not, that's not right. That's <laughs> close, yeah. um, he's short of the 20. Yeah. He doesn't make it to the 20 because he passed away. And then he's also, he's not in Dr. No. Right. His first appearance is from Russia with Love, but he's not playing, he's not referred to as Q in From Russia with Love. And he's out in uh, Live and Let Die because they were trying to move into a more realistic narrative. So I want to say 17. 17, Gavin. Ow. Gavin, <laughs> living up to your your Bond uh, reputation. Wouldn't um, it be great if I knew math, guys? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, yeah. know more useful. math, which is the only math that matters. Um. It's one so the franchise as a whole has won five Oscars. Obviously, two best songs: one for the Sam Smith one, and obviously Skyfall, and then one for sound editing, one for sound it effects, is and one nuts for visual that effects. It took them that long to, to get win a yes. best song. song. It's it's nuts that it took them that long to win best song, and then the, to repeat that the next time there was one because it was just a copy of the previous right. song. Right, <laughs> that's what's crazy. Yeah. I think that's even more crazy that then the repeat is so arbitrary. Um, yeah. Okay, so as a final thing, let's just do our, I don't know what, kind of our top five Bonds each or top ten. What do you want to do? Well, so I, for the first time ever, I went through and I made my full list, baby. Just do it. Did you really? So I'm just going to give you, I'm going to give you that full list. Ready? Run down. Go from the bottom. Yeah, 25. Real quick, are you including Never Say Never Again? No, I'm not. Okay. So these are the Eon. Why would anyone do that? These are the Eon (laughs) Bond movies. Uh, what? Who are you? Are you Kim Basinger's press manager? <laughs> like what? Never, like, never, never, never say, never say, never say, never say uh, mines again. All right. <laughs> Continue. All right. Twenty-five. Octopussy. Twenty-four. A view to a kill. 
23, Diamonds Are Forever. 22, Man With The Golden Gun. 21, License To Kill. 20, Spectre. 19, Die Another Day. 18, You Only Live Twice. 17, Live And Let Die. 16, For Your Eyes Only. Okay, top 15, Tomorrow Never (laughs) Dies. Hmm. 14, Skyfall. (laughs) 13, Moonraker. 12, Quantum of Solace. Wow, that's high. Wow. 11, Thunderball. And coming to you with his top 10. (laughs) The Living living Daylights. Oh, good one. Number nine, No Time to Die. Eight, The World is Not Enough. Seven, Dr. No. Six, Majesty's Secret Service. Five, Goldfinger. Four, Spy Who Loved Me. Three, Casino Royale. Two, From Russia With Love. And number one, with a bullet, Goldeneye. Yeah, we have the same one and two, Goldeneye and... uh, and from Russia with Love. My quick um, top, my quick from 12, just because it's Dr. No, is Dr. No Skyfall, No Time to Die, World's Not Enough, Honor Majesties, Thunderball, Goldfinger, Living Daylights at five, Spy Who Loved Me at four, Casino Royale at three, from Russia, and then Goldeneye. So similar kind of, but yeah. If if I had to do, I, I don't have a list in front of me, unfortunately. Yeah, do whatever, but, top five. But, it, but if I was to do top five, it would be Honor Majesty's Secret Service from Russia with Love, The Spy Who Loved Me, uh, Casino Royale, and Goldeneye. Yeah, I feel like the further away we get, I guess Goldeneye aside, because that can be an outlier for some people, but those other four are common, right? Or I like, would say yeah. I, I think for Spy Who Loved Me, Casino once you Royale. Get to, once you get to six or seven Bond movies... I feel like it's yeah. the same Bond movies in some order. Like, I think it's kind of. Yeah, people know what the top eight are oh, or whatever. Right, right, exactly. And it's like always the same. Thing. But then you have like people love For Your Eyes Only, like our buddy Bill Gabiri, uh, who put out his list for Vulture. He put For Your Eyes Only at like two or, or something. I, like that. I really like For Your Eyes which, Only which as well, I, too. I and, I, say, and I'm very shocked that your guys is like. I'm going to I'm going to yeah. rewatch For Your Eyes Only like tonight. <laughs> Because I, I, of, do, I don't want to no. give it a full wash. The stuff with BB is a gross. Right, there's like She's an the un, underage figure yeah, skater. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I remember. I remember. Yeah. yeah, I just, I, it's enough of, it's enough of a realization that so many people like it a lot that I'm like, you know, let me try it again. Um, but anyway, that's Bond. That's B side Bond. Um, it, it's crazy to say this, but like in terms of recommending, the only one really is Woman of Straw for me. And even that one, as we talked about last time, kind of, you know, there's a lot yeah. there to That to would be one, at. I don't think people necessarily need to go like seek that movie out, but like yeah. if it happens to maybe be on like TCM, watch it. It's good. Um, like, I, I, my only other one, I would, I would say like, I would say there's stuff in Brenda Starr that's worth agreed. watching. That's yeah. a lot I would of agree. fun. I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah. And then maybe just go to YouTube and watch the music video um of if there's something by roxy music that's done from this movie if look up flashbacks for fool roxy music you'll find it on well i was gonna say the only other thing with flashbacks is if you can find to see mine and just (laughs) just just to have it nearby just (laughs) as a thing just a final thought once again you can't buy less than 13 so the reason i keep bringing it up (laughs) is because it's making me laugh more than, than i've laughed in a year but also 
Um, I Connor can't edit it out of the episode. No, so yes. just gonna keep yeah, yeah. making it a running. No, because it, it's gonna come back, and then if I cut any of it out, people are gonna. That's why I did it. That's why I did it. Why do uh, they keep laughing about sea mines? Sea mines. <laughs> um. So, Gavin, um, just remind us as we kind of approach the end, where can we find you? What not? Anything going on? Continue, please. Before I say where you can find me, I just really want to say thank you so much for letting me come on, especially to do two episodes. Um, I love talking about James Bond um, for warts and all, all, you know, all the issues. And and uh, but also like you're just both such lovely gentlemen. And um, I thank you so much for for, I don't know, trusting my opinion and, and allowing me to come on. If you want to find me online, uh, you can listen to my biweekly podcast, which I co-host with my good friend Louis Rendon. Uh, it's called The Mixed Reviews. We just had our 100th episode that came out in between these two episodes. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Um, we're, we're moved into our spooky season. So we're our next episode, which will come out probably before this. But anyways, is going to be about John Carpenter. Um, oh, that's cool. I know. Yeah. I, well, I really like looked around the podcast field and I was like, wow, nobody is doing <laughs> John Carpenter. There's there's certainly not a podcast hosted by, I don't know, say two guys that we used to play trivia with. That's um, really thorough and doing it episode by episode and inviting very famous people on. Uh, and I thought to myself, well, our small rinky dink independent podcast could uh, fill that. But uh, luckily, that's not happening over anywhere else. So, you know, if you yeah, hear about Theoretically, if that were happening, that would be a thing to worry about. But uh, that would be a thing to worry, but but not. Thank you know, God. We're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so please listen to the mixed reviews. Uh, but that yeah, that podcast is called the mixed reviews. You can find us on Twitter at, at the mixed I, reviews. And you just to yeah. cheat yeah. a little bit because I know you have. I'm looking it's not out it. yet. What what's your favorite carpenter? Halloween. My favorite, controversially, the fog. Oh, okay. Um, I I I will say like I I recognize the the classics. I mean, Halloween is a classic for a reason escape from new york is a classic for a reason uh but the one that i love the most the one that i constantly find myself returning to is well that's i, I like i'm not that. a horror i'm not a horror guy and this is not my number one but look if i did a carpenter ranking um Starman would be like three. I, I love Starman. You know I, I, mean? like, I only recently saw Starman for the first time. We did an episode on road trip movies and I watched it for that. But funny enough, I didn't see it as a kid because my dad hated it because my mother thought Jeff Bridges was so hot. In that I mean, movie. he is very, and my dad, he is very he's hot very, in Starman. And my dad's ego, my dad's ego was never threatened by an actor other than Bridges. <laughs> Jeff well, Bridges. if it's going to happen once. I but mean. yes, you can subscribe to the Mixed Reviews on every podcast app that's out there. Um, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible, and obviously Apple uh, Podcasts. And if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please stop by, leave us a five-star rating and review. Also, leave the B-side five-star rating. Yeah, review. hey now, hey now. Yeah, that's, it's seriously, and I, you know, we had a, a guest on, um, Liam Garreau. He was on our Barbara Streisand episode, and he did this impassioned plea at the episode and i just want to reiterate it for your these reviews they seem so minor they take like less than five minutes but they help these shows out so much and they take up so little of your time and and it helps other people find them so please go do it for the b-side honestly listener even if you want to mad lib a review if you want to just take yeah. something you've written for another thing and just plug our <laughs> names in uh it's it it's fine it's fine as long as you yeah. mean it and uh you, you hit that five stars you know, after this episode, there's going to be a series of three star reviews that are like, please stop talking about landmines. Sea <laughs> mines. mines no. no, no, no. Landmines will be the next one. Um, yeah, yeah landmines, landmines will be the next episode. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to follow me on Twitter, my handle is at 
friendless mean, which is how I plan to die someday. Which I love. It's, it's still my favorite handle. Um, <laughs> I, as always and as ever, am at DJ Mac on Twitter, writing for the film stage website. And that's where I'm at. Um, at Fathom Stories, we're done with the first two seasons, but hopefully season three will be kicking off. So check all that out. Um, and Connor, over to you, my friend. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Scruffy Looking. As we mentioned before, I did a review of No Time to Die. If you want to read it, it's at the film stage. So you can check that out. Uh, you can follow this uh, podcast on Twitter and Facebook at TFS B-Side. And as Gavin mentioned, please, if you like what you're hearing here, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening. And uh, also, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can send us an email, b-side, B-S-I-D-E, at thefilmstage.com. And just in terms of what's next, um, we have, we're going to dive back into our series of uh, listener choice uh, episodes. So we'll be recording, our, our next one up will be Gene Wilder. So we'll get back into that. And then we have some plans to put together something for uh spooky season as well so keep uh keep your ears peeled for that and one last thing uh, for gene wilder are you going to talk about the adventures of sherlock holmes smarter brother which is my we, favorite gene wilder film we've looked at that one another one that i've kind of become enamored with the more i research it is uh start the revolution without me okay um, okay yeah and, i can see it Donald, i mean we're not Donald. friends anymore but i can see it <laughs> uh but anyway yeah so keep a lookout for that and um just remember until we meet next we've got all the time in the world just for now nothing more nothing less oh, no.